Hey folks, if you've been tuning in the last couple months, you've heard all about the Game Time app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports, concerts, and all types of shows. Are you still on the fence about your seat? No worries. You can click on the listing and look at panoramic seat views so you'll know how you'll be watching the game. Well, now GameTime is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what to do. Download the GameTime app in the Google Player App Store. Click on the My Tickets section of the app, create an account, then under the billing section, enter redeem code THEATHLETIC. Once again, that's THEATHLETIC, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem the code, and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, 2019. So make moves quick and score last-minute tickets. Stop. It never rains at Austin Stadium. Hey, happy Monday, everyone, and welcome back to It Never Rains, an Oregon Ducks podcast. We are just over one week away from the Rose Bowl, where Oregon will take on Wisconsin in sunny Los Angeles, or I guess actually Pasadena, which doesn't work as well with the the deep (laughs) voice. Anyways, Tyson Alger here, joined by Aaron Fentress. Aaron, we are two days away from not having to work for a day. How does that make you feel? Uh, that makes me feel good, except I'll probably find some reason to do some work that day because I always futz around on something. Uh, but you know, I, I, I like the holiday season. It's fun. My kids are going are off all week. They're off next week I get to hang out with them other than when I go to the Rose Bowl. So yeah, I, I'm going to enjoy it. What do, what do you think your tweet count is going to be on a Wednesday off where everybody else is around their computers? Um, you've, you've been pretty prolific lately. You know, you've had a lot to talk about. <laughs> I've gotten into a couple little debates. Um, I don't know. You know, I might try, I might try and take Christmas off. I think I might take Christmas off from the the tomfoolery that's out there in the world that I just can't resist chiming in on. It's just when people just say things that are just loony, I just like I just I'm just compelled to say something. It's really difficult for me not to. But I'm I think I'm gonna take Christmas off. Why don't you challenge me on that right now? Challenge me right there. I have to if I don't if I avoid any debates. On Christmas, you have to buy me a present. <laughs> yeah, I, actually, I, I, I am willing to do that because for the sake of everyone else in this world, um, you know, I'll, I'll take, you know, what's funny is you'll take I, I feel, for the team. I, I, I feel you'll like you go for the planet. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like you go through phases because I, I think it was when you joined the athletic, I, I was, you and I were, I think we were having a lunch and I was talking to you and I was like, man, like, I feel like I haven't seen you a ton on Twitter lately. And you're like, ah, you know, just uh, trying to stay away, just trying to stay away. And then, uh, and then the rain comes, we get beaten down by the season, we just get beaten down by requests. On, and then, uh, and then you just go. And, uh, you know, at, at some point we'll really get back in and we'll have a talk about it. Um, I'm sure this is exactly how you thought the start of this episode was going to go to <laughs> a mischaracter- a mischaracterization of facts really drives me bananas. So it's hard for me to resist, but I'm going to resist on Christmas day. I'm a vow right, right now. Aaron Fentress will not engage in any tomfoolery on Twitter Christmas day. Are you a are you a Christmas Day NBA guy? I, I, that's kind of become the de facto like sport sporting event of uh, Christmas Day, and I think there are actually some pretty fun matchups this week. I think the Clippers are playing the Lakers, et cetera, et cetera. Is are, are you a sports guy on Christmas, or is it just strictly a uh, a presents and holiday movies and all that sort of jazz? No, we always have we always have uh, sports on, except 
90% of the time we do Christmas at my wife's parents' house, and eventually her mom will suggest we watch a movie. Then we spend an hour on Netflix or on On Demand looking for said movie. <laughs> <laughs> it takes an hour. We watch, we watch a bunch of previews, and of course everyone wants to watch something different. My mother-in-law always wants to watch something <clears throat> pleasant and festive, and then she always brings up the time 20 years ago when we went and saw um, Sleepy Hollow. <laughs> you went and saw Sleepy Hollow on <laughs> About Christmas? About the Headless Horseman? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, don't worry. There won't be any heads cutting off. They won't, they won't show that. The first five minutes, they showed like 10 heads getting lopped off. And she never, she's never let me forget that, ever. She brings it up all the time. So pretty much she guilts us all into watching a Christmas movie. Yeah, n- nothing really rang- rings in the holidays like watching uh, Sleepy Hollow, right? <laughs> Actually, I, I think uh, That's so funny. I, I, so I'm I'm heading up to my uh, my parents' place on. Uh, they live outside of Friday Harbor on the San Juan Islands. Um, they, this is after that sounds exotic. Yeah, you know we have, it's a bit of a drive out there, and then uh, we have to take the ferry, and you know it's it's uh, it's a bit of a trek, but it ends up being pretty fun. But I think um, I think we're probably going to see Star Wars at the little theater there at, at you know either Christmas Day or, or the day before. Um, I know this this is a sensitive subject between us because uh, you are a diehard Star Wars fan. Uh, I know you haven't seen it quite yet. Are you are you somebody who will read reviews going in? Will you watch previews, or uh, do you like to just go in fresh and uh, be able to assess for yourself? Uh, ooh, I, I'm kind of hit or miss on that. I, I, I might I, read I, a review I, or two if I. If I, I, I just know there's no spoilers. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I, when uh when when they read the. the the uh, um, first one, or, or what, what was it called? The Force Awakens. I remember I was just scrolling through tw- Twitter and uh, ended up uh, like seeing like the, the major spoiler at, towards the end of that one, like bef- before the movie had even come out when, uh, what's his oh, name, uh, Adam Driver's character ends up killing uh, Han Solo. And was just like, ah, oh, man, like that ruined like the one big payoff for me. Yeah, you, you got to be careful what you read. I'm still pissed they killed off Han. They didn't have to kill him. I guess... Didn't he? Didn't didn't Harrison Ford say, "I'll do this movie, but you have to kill me"? I think so. <laughs> I'm only think, doing one, he, so you better kill me or something like that. I mean, if you're how old is he? Like seventy ish? I don't know. But I think, he probably he didn't really want to probably commit never, to like to nine more years of this thing. I know. Also, he he was never that enamored with Star Wars. Like everything I've ever read about him, he was never that impressed with it or thought it was all that. Like it's just something he kind of did and benefited. It's from, just but. something that made him hundreds of millions of dollars, yeah. right? I just, think, but I just think he just kind of thought it was over with, and all of a sudden he's being asked to be Han Solo again. But that sucked. He didn't need to die like that. And Kylo Ren's a little punk ass man. Why does every Why does every single Jedi savant or Force savant have to be a little bitch? Can we ask that question? <laughs> all of them were little punk asses, except for Ray. Ray is the only one that has her act together. Luke was a whiny little punk. Anakin was a whiny little punk. Kylo Ren, oh my God, that guy needs to be slapped. But Ray has her stuff together. What does that say about the maturity of women versus men? It's just a fact. We all know teenage men are immature. That's why their car insurance is more expensive than teenage uh, <laughs> women. It's a fact. And it, it, it exemplifies itself in the Star Wars saga. Just saying. Well, well, thanks for listening to It Never Rains Everybody, an Oregon Ducks football <laughs> podcast where uh, t- two immature men. So, uh, <laughs> so let me ask you this, though. 
what what does the rise of Skywalker mean? What do they say? Like that's one of the reasons why I'm kind of staying away from stuff because I'm like I'm perplexed by that. So are we finally gonna find out the rise of Sky a Skywalker? And when you look at the family tree in the in the the canon stuff, the comics and the books, Luke does get married and has kids, but none of them are named Ray in the family tree that I saw recently. So Ray can't be his child based on canon and Ray's not, then who's the Skywalker that's rising? Is it don't, Luke coming back? Don't don't they just consider the canon just the movies for like when the directors are actually saying like this is the actually what's happened in Star Wars when they just say like we're only by the movies? Because it's not like it's based but off I, of it. Sorry, go ahead. Uh I think uh, it depends because canon means that that's part of the story lore that it was approved by Lucas and it's part of the backstory. So if you, yeah, but but they but if, they they like how how many <clears throat> how many crappy like two hundred page random offshoot like Luke Skywalker books have there been like since like nineteen eighty like I, I remember being in like elementary school and going through the library and there was always like these random like Star yeah, Wars hundreds. books and yeah it's like I feel yeah. like I feel like anybody and their uncle could have written a Star Wars book and said it's part of the canon but but, you know, like, but like that's no, how they turned it in. Oh, it did okay. But it has to be approved by Lucas. Okay, I was about to say like you that's couldn't a, just write a random book. It had to be approved. That's why it's also confusing. So, you you think he if, actually read all of those things? Like, or was he just like, oh, cha ching, cha ching, cha ching, cha ching? Yeah, this, at least this, read the story synopsis. This will work. <laughs> yeah, but someone can't write a book and want it to be canon, and Luke goes off to Tatooine and takes over the bar and turns it into a strip club. Like you can't, you're not going to approve that. It's always sunny in Tatooine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I'm I'm interested in that. Now it could be the rise of Skywalker could also mean Kylo Ren because Kylo Ren is technically off, you know, a Skywalker. So it could be him rising and taking over. I don't know, but he's too much of a punk for that to happen. I think Ray's going to whip his ass. Uh, so anyway, we'll see. I'm, I'm interested. All right, all right. So transitioning into uh, the actual actual football talk. Uh, when are when are you coming down for the Rose Bowl? I'm leaving uh, the night at 26, but you're get, you have to cover that Seahawks game on Monday, right? Yeah, Seahawks Niners, the game of the decade. Uh, I'll be I'm flying in that night because the next the big media availability is Monday morning. Correct? Yeah. At like 8 a.m. or something like that. Yeah, I don't know why it's gonna be so damn early? But yeah, I'll be in Sunday night to go to that. That's gonna be a, f- that's a pretty damn good football week for you. I ain't complaining. Are the Seahawks fun, considered two fun games? Are the Seahawks considered the front runners now in the West, or do do people still like assume the Niners are better? Uh, I think oh, that's tough. I think it'd probably be 45 49ers being the slightly better team because their defense is so darn good. Whereas Seattle's defense is kind of suspect, um, and I think that that game on that game on that Sunday is going to be a coin flip for the division championship. I think both teams will win this weekend, so that that game will be for the division title, and the buy. I mean, that game's huge because not only do you win the division, you get a buy. The the winner is going to be home in the divisional round. The loser is going to have to go to Dallas <laughs> the next yeah. week, and then probably have to go to New Orleans the week after that, uh, or Green Bay. So that's yeah, that's a huge game. I'm looking forward to it. So we're uh, we're we're gearing up for a, a big uh, Rose Bowl week of coverage here. Um, I, once player availability, once I get down to LA and player availability starts, we'll have some some good stories up on the website. Uh, but the it's kind of weird coming into a bowl game here, and like it doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of uh, excitement. 
I think there's plenty of excitement. It's going to be a good game. But like in terms of drama, like we're not having like the uh, will will Royce Freeman play? Will he won't play? Or like, you know, some of these these big stars. Like I, I think like for the most part, both teams are pretty healthy. Or- Oregon's looking really healthy right now. Micah Pittman's back pra- practicing on the field. There's a chance he might get cleared for this game. It's still kind of uncertain at this point. Um, but in terms of like. I, I, I think every single duck is, is going to be playing in this game. It's, it's not like something like two years ago where it was just like, ah, it's the Vegas Bowl. I don't know who's going to be playing in this one. Like, it, it seems like it's a pretty, uh, um, pretty well, uh, well hyped up game coming, coming up here, right? Yeah. Obviously, there's some seniors that are going to get drafted pretty highly as well, you know, specifically some of the O linemen and then uh, Herbert. And they would have incentive to maybe sit out, but. They all seem like they're 100% in and they want this game because all those guys have gone through a lot <laughs> with this program. They've gone through as much as any, you know, senior class ever, uh, three different head coaches, et cetera. Uh, you know, they're all in. I remember someone on Twitter suggested Herbert might sit out. I'm like, are you drunk? You don't know Justin Herbert. There's no way in hell he's going to miss this game because this this is uh, to add to his not only just add to the legacy thing, which sometimes is overblown, but he's just a competitor and he wants to play in this game more than well, anything. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Uh, I, I now, feel some like of the he, kids who were going out early, maybe that we don't know about yeah. yet, could they? And I don't even think they would either. Like I, I think this this team is going to be fully 100 percent in on this to try and win this. Okay, so if if there were any candidates who might come out early, it, it would maybe be like Oregon's corners, like Diamador, Graham, or. Potentially, like Jordan or Graham Scott. are the most likely, and then I or, guess or like Jordan, you, know, you never know if someone's in a situation where they if they get a good grade. If the grade says you're gonna be a fourth round pick, and they're like, "Well, fourth round pick, let's see. I get a contract, I get a guaranteed contract of at least a couple million dollars. I can come out now and play my way into you know who knows what Jordan Scott does he try and come yeah, out? But I, don't I, think I he should. I I feel like none none of those guys register on the we have so much awesome film out there that we can just take off the biggest football game we've ever played in. Um, I, you know, there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on that game. And, and I actually, I actually feel like that's, you know, if anybody was wondering whether Herbert would sit out, like, I think this is still a pretty, pretty big game for him. And probably the terms of his evaluation, like this is, this is going to be a really good defense. It's the biggest game he's ever played in. And the thing with Herbert, it's never been about his physical tools. You know, it's, he's six, six, he can run, he can throw, uh, he's got that big body. It, it's been just more kind of the decision he's decisions he makes and, and the quality of play he puts together in these types of games. And um, yeah, I, I feel like there's still so much kind of questions swirling around whether he's going to be a legit, you know, top, top five pick or a guy who might fall. And I, I think this is uh, um, an awfully big game for him. I mean, not that like, you know, no, no NFL scout who's any good will just take a look at like one game and be like, Oh, the, you know, this makes or breaks it. But I, I still feel like it, it's an important game for him. Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, at, at the very least, if you're, if you have some reservations about him other than his physical tools, you'd like to see him go out in a game like this and have a, a big day. Like he hasn't had very many, big days and big games. Um, you know, the, the Pac-12 title game, he had some nice throws, but he didn't have a big game. The running game carried that game. So, yeah, he definitely could help himself, you know, the eyeball test just going out there and looking good on that stage. So I don't dis- disagree with that. Um, I I think I think Lenore and Graham, like they're to say right now, we're going out. Like they got their grades and they're going to be at least third round. They were going out. I don't think that this game would, would have any bearing on their – their evaluation i think they would just be what they are but right. i think i think one i think at the most one might go 
Um, but again, it depends. Like it depends on what grade they get. It always comes down to that. You know, like if, if the NFL grades say, "Eh, NFL consensus right now is you're a fifth or sixth round pick. You need to work on such and such." Then I think they come back. If it's second or third round pick, I think at least one will bounce. And then now you're looking at replacing two corners next year. But Oregon's recruited well enough at corner to where they have some cats who are ready to get in there, so they'd be all right. Yeah, yeah, they they definitely have Michael Michael Wright waiting in the wings. Um, they actually, un, unfortunately, for um, the bulk, I mean the 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 top heaviness of their twenty twenty recruiting class, they did lose a couple of uh, defensive backs in Miles Slusher and uh, Avante Williams. But um, yeah, they 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 have plenty of talent back there, and especially with the fact that you have like Vrone McKinley and Javon Holland uh, coming back for sure next year, and then I I think everyone thinks that Wright's going to be a, a pretty legit stud. And we've already seen that at a, um, the, the return game. Uh, yeah, that's that's a pretty good position for the Ducks moving forward. Yep. What's the best bowl game you've ever covered? The best game I've ever covered. All right, what, what's your fa- your favorite bowl memory? You've, you've been to a lot more of these things than I have over the years. Oh, man. You go first while I think about it. The... The Rose the Rose Bowl is a fun one for me just because that, that was that was my introduction into covering college football, which is kind of insane. Well, covering covering college football as a professional. Like I, w- I went to school at Montana and covered the FCS playoffs and that, but that's kind of small potatoes, um, admittedly, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I mean, like co- covering that first Rose Bowl after I think I was like 23 years old or so, uh, getting a week in L.A. and, and just getting to uh, do all that with uh, uh, the national media. And like that was a really hyped up game, too, because it was it was Mariota versus Jameis Winston. It was the battle of the, the potential top two quarterbacks in the draft. It was, um, first you know, playoff. yeah, first ever playoff. <clears throat> like, can is can Oregon actually like hang with, uh, you know, a. Like I think everyone thought Florida State was gonna punk them in that game. Um, at least, at least that was the sense that I got from the you know from Florida State in, in the the lead up to that thing. I just remember how like swaggy and uh, you know, confident guys were walking in with, and uh, and Oregon just destroyed them in that game. And that was just like one of those games too where. Uh, I think, you know, by the third quarter, all of us were looking around. It's like, I, I think it's time to book for the national championship game. Like that's, that's one of my favorite things you ever see in a press box is, is one it's, uh, like the playoffs or especially during like the NCAA tournament when, when it's clear that one team's going to advance, you just see all these laptops open up and everyone likes trying to book, book flights as quickly as you can. Because, uh, uh, if you don't, those things can go up by several hundred bucks if you're like 15 minutes late on it. Um, so yeah, I mean that that was a really cool memory just because that was like that was like my first season. I was like, oh man, covering college football is awesome. You get to do this every year, uh, and I've since learned that you don't get to do that every year. And so I'm I'm very much looking forward to to this game. Um, be, and you know that's an easier answer than uh, the Alamo Bowl the next year. Although that was, although I know that was terrible for Oregon fans. Like as a reporter, what a freaking game to cover! Like <laughs> that was insane. Oh. <laughs> uh. Yeah, the the Rose Bowl that that Rose Bowl win easily to me biggest win in program history. Now some people still want to argue that Washington game, Kitty Wheaton gonna score stuff. No. Like, come on, that that game's big because people say it, Florida State would never would have happened if not for that twenty years prior. It's like whatever, come on, give me a break. <clears throat> if your goal is to win the Rose Bowl and go to the playoffs, that game was bigger. You beat a team that hadn't lost in two years, well, two uh, twenty four months or something like that. I think they won the they were twenty three and zero. 23 straight wins, national title, future number one pick, Heisman winner, biggest win in program history by far. So that was huge. The two best games I think I've ever covered were 
the national championship game against Auburn, that was a pretty good game. And then the uh, the Rose Bowl the year after that against Wisconsin, that was a really good football game. I was watching that. I was watching that on. Game. I was watching that on TV a couple nights ago. Did you? Yeah, that was a, that was a good fun football game. Uh, the Alamo Bowl, I'll never forget that. That's the only that's the only game ever that I said is over and then was wrong on. But extenuating circumstances, Herbert, or not Herbert. <laughs> Vernon Adams went down. The center went out. Hegarty. Uh, the the Charles, people always talk about that those two things, but the number one thing that happened in that game, aside from the snaps, was Charles Nelson fumbling that kickoff return because that yeah. allowed them to score twice within twenty eight seconds. Which because I, I I was doing almost like a poker thing with the percentage of chances of them losing. I'm like, there's no way they can blow a thirty one. There's no way they can blow a twenty four. There's no way they can blow a. There's no way they can blow it. Yeah. <laughs> it just kept going away, and the math kept working towards Oregon. And they see no boom tied overtime, and they couldn't stop him. It was just that was just a circus. But I wouldn't call that a great game. Someone had that in their top twenty-five games of all time. Did you see that list? Someone had of all of all time. Yeah, well, they, well, remember, remember right afterwards, weren't they going to turn it into like a Disney movie? Like there, there was some talk that, like, yeah, because yeah. a backup quarterback for them after the quarterback got arrested. Uh, what's his face? I can't remember his name right now. But Bo- Boykin. Um, Boykin, yeah, I got arrested. Their backup quarterback lit up. Yeah, I mean, oh, there's hey, a cute I got, movie I, there, I guess. I, I, but it was like, I don't think, I, to me, I don't think that's a great game. Like, that's I, just a great comeback difference. That's just me. I, I, I have a good story to share uh, about that night Boykin got arrested. Uh, Greif and I were, were out. Well, so, kind of, actually. Uh, so, so Greif and I were, th- so this was two nights before the game, or was it the night before the game? I think it was two uh, nights, yeah. Or was it- yeah, it was, it, was two, it was two nights before the game. Greif, my, my old beat partner, Andrew Greif, and I, we were out having dinner with a couple of the TCU beat writers. We were at a Mexican restaurant, and uh, we, we sit at our table, and uh, uh, Boykin was at the table right next to us with some friends, and this was maybe like 6 p.m. or so. Um and uh, uh, Boykin uh, recognized the writers that we were with because he they cover the team, and so he he comes over and he starts chatting with us like very politely, like for about five minutes. He like sits down. He's like, "Hey guys, looking forward to the game." Blah blah. Like couldn't have been nicer. Then he gets up, walks back to his table, starts housing margaritas, and uh, about six hours later, he was arrested arrested for assaulting or was it assaulting a like I think he shoved a cop outside of a bar. Um, and yeah. we all woke up to, we all woke up to that, like press, I mean, that, that newser the next morning was just kind of like, holy crap. Like we saw him last night. We saw like, he was fine. Like where, where, where did this come from? <laughs> um, yeah. And that, that, and at that point it was just like, oh man, Oregon's going to like house him because I think TCU was down a receiver, uh, for that game as well. So it was like, okay, they're down their top quarterback. They're down, uh, one of their really good receivers like Oregon's and then they go up 31 zero and I've never, been a part of a game that felt more like the uh the the metaphor of just like the snowball starting to roll downhill like it just started a little bit and then it started gaining steam gaining steam and then uh by the end of that fourth quarter you're like there's no way in hell Oregon comes back from this thing because you're just not stopping this yeah it was bizarre I think I remember I wrote a really really detailed article about the second half I'm trying to remember the numbers but like it was like I broke down each drive and like I think they had like 20 yards offense second half or negative something rush like it was just bizarre it was just crazy how bad everything was like Lockie was not that bad the center uh uh Brenner was not that bad but everything just went poorly it was just incredible and it all started with Vernon Adams trying to be a superhero like on that zone read like don't try and run over a linebacker he lowered his head to take on a linebacker and got knocked out of the game like just slide or just go down don't try and be a hero don't try and do more 
than you need to do. And that once he went out, it was like, okay, they're not going to score much, but you, you're not going to give up that many points to get to a backup quarterback who you've been shutting out. That's the thing too. It's not like it was, it's not like they, TCU had success. TCU had done nothing on offense. And then all of a sudden they caught fire and, and the Ducks had no answer. It was just wild. I gained but the a whole lot. Lincoln's thing, like, why do what is he doing out drinking? Like, why? What? What the hell's wrong with some of these guys? Why do they think they're so bulletproof? And the, the thing is, pe- that happens, and others won't learn from it because they're all so arrogant and so silly. Like, how do you go out and do that kind of dumb nonsense? I don't understand some of these guys. And there were, I heard there were ducks out partying too. It just didn't get in trouble. They were smart not to brawl with cops or push cops around but i, I mean that's that's guys sometimes. i mean that i mean that that's the whole thing with like getting a team like to a bowl game a week freaking early like you know you're just this is they're just kind of sitting ducks like kids are going to get out like i mean we, we were all in college like we we know how that goes like <laughs> but you know if, if you're in a different town and you're in a hotel for a week like that there's a chance that's going to happen especially with like such of like a uh, celebratory atmosphere or, or whatever the hell it is, especially for some of those like lower rung bowl games where, you know, some guys might not care about it as much as like the playoff or whatnot. Um, well, go out. Just don't throw down margaritas. You're the quarterback. <laughs> like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. Switch to something lighter, like a mojito or, or you, know, you know, balance. And of course, it's easy for me to say someone who doesn't drink has never been drunk in their life and doesn't really get the fascination with drinking. So, you know, what do I know? But, I know if I was quarterback of a Division One football team getting ready for a bowl game, I wouldn't be out drinking. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> it's a disappointed parent in me. <laughs> the, the, the the disappointed parent in you. I, I will say, I not to keep going on the Alamo Bowl, I gained a lot of respect for Matt Lubick, not for the way that he coached that game, because obviously that wasn't great, but that guy stood in the hallway for about 25 minutes doing interviews afterwards. Um, like they opened the locker rooms, let people in and closed the locker rooms all in the same amount of time. Lubick was still doing the same interview. Like, like that guy uh, answered every question and it, it wasn't an easy process. Uh, he answered way more than anybody else. And uh, uh, yeah, I always found that guy fascinating because like, I think he's a banker now in Colorado or like he, he left his, his OC spot at uh at UW right. to to get into the the banking industry in Colorado. So, um, yeah, that, just a random memory I had there. Yeah, I do remember that. And I I remember people, <clears throat> you know, people get play calling, play calling. Lubus an idiot, blah blah blah. And I was like, if ever there was a game that defined where there's nothing the coordinator can do about this, <laughs> it's that one. Like you, what play? What play can you possibly call? that overcomes a bad snap. Wasn't it like 10 or 12 bad snaps? Yeah, it was It was pretty That's rough. the number that's in my head. Now, I could have inflated it. Maybe it was only eight. But like, and there was one. Do you remember the one where uh, it was low and Lockie went down to get it on one knee? And then he came up and fired a quick slant to Carrington and he took it to the house. But the whistle had blown because his knee hit the oh, ground. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now... You know, the whistle probably made TCU stop, so maybe Carrington wouldn't have scored. But it was like, that just defined the day. It's like, okay, that's not one. Two, the quarterback, instead of just going down and getting it as an athlete should without putting your knee on the ground, he goes down and gets it with a knee on the ground. And it comes up and fires a good pass. Oh, he finally threw a good pass. Oh, but it doesn't count because your knee hit the ground. Like, it was just like, can these guys not shoot themselves in the backside once? 
just once today in the second half, and that's they needed one. Dude, they needed one stop or one play on offense, and they win that game, and they could not muster it. It was amazing. Unbelievable. All right, folks. Well, we're going we're gonna to start signing off here because we know it's the holiday week. There's probably a lot of people traveling. Uh, hopefully everyone is getting to where they need to go safely and has an excellent holiday. We are both heading to L.A. I think our next podcast, we're going to try to have our Wisconsin writer, Jesse Temple, on uh, so we can actually start previewing and breaking down this game. Apologies if you've been expecting that a little bit earlier. But frankly, three weeks of build up to one game. We've done that already once this year. It's pretty taxing. Thank you, Auburn. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll start getting in depth on the game here shortly. Aaron, what'd you get me for Christmas? Let's sign off with that. Uh, I can't tell you until I see you. Okay. Well, if you need to go to the store, it's, it's completely fine. I, I got you something. Did you? Yeah. Just, just some friendship. Just, just some Aww, friendship. Oh, that's yeah. so sweet. Also, hey, shout out to uh, uh, Cam Molina, our producer, who filled in for Aaron on Monday. He, boy, he said some things off 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 air about coming for your job, um, about how uh, uh, you know he he really sees himself in your seat going forward. So uh, yeah, hopefully there's no tension when we sign off here. Hey, have a great. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it's 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 been a fun season covering all this, guys. We we hope you guys have a great holiday, and we will be back uh, soon with another episode of It Never Rains. Mm-hmm.